You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Um, right here after the break, and Jeannie's got a cool testimony this week. And I hope that many of you begin looking for these kinds of things in your lives that maybe where God comes in and does something significant, maybe where he gives you a, a really amazing opportunity to share the gospel, um, something in your week that he does. It doesn't have to be um, like incredibly glamorous, but we're just looking for different kinds of things to show God's hand in our lives that encourages the rest of us that, hey, God is moving and orchestrating things and giving us opportunities. And Jeannie and the Harp and Bowl team actually had a really cool opportunity this past week that she's going to come and tell you about. So last Monday um, during Harp and Bowl, we were just, you know, doing our praise, our worship, and I was sitting about right there, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye a gentleman sitting behind me, and I thought perhaps he was someone that had come on Sunday and um, just, you know, heard the, the announcement and came for Harp and Bowl, and so didn't pay much attention to him, and then after we had finished the set, um, we were cleaning up, and Nathan went over to talk to this gentleman. And I noticed that the man was weeping. And Nathan was just talking with him, and then he called me over. And so I went over, and this gentleman shared that um, he was pretty much at the end. He had tried to commit suicide. Um, He tried to hang himself with the belt, but he had his coat on, and the his coat bunched up around him, and so he didn't succeed. And so then he just got in his car to run. And he ended up outside the church here. He ran out of gas, and he went to get on his phone to call somebody. His phone had died. So he came into the church to charge his phone so that he could call somebody. And he heard us worshiping and praying, and we were praying about hope. And also there was a point in there where Nathan had prayed for those in the church that were trying to adopt, trying to have children. And part of this man's testimony was also that he and his wife had lost a child. And so all of this kind of just culminated. And he was at the end, and he was running. And... uh, So we prayed with him. He also admitted that he was a meth addict. He had been clean for two days, and he just wanted to stop. His wife had thrown him out, so he was in a desperate place. But God, in his sovereignty, dropped him right on our doorstep when he needed God the most, when he needed someone to just show that they cared. And I truly believe that God cares deeply for this man and wants to rescue him. So Nathan hung out with him for a while um, until they finally got a hold of his brother. And his family had, has been wanting to do an intervention. And so I'm just believing that that's what happened. And he shared with, and Nathan shared this with me afterwards when he was out talking with him. He goes, Do you really believe those prayers that were prayed for me? Do you believe that God will answer them? And Nathan said, yes. I believe that God answers prayer. and He knows 
your heart. So you never know when God is going to put someone in your life that just needs to hear that message of hope, Amen. that prayer of hope. Thank you, Jeannie. Isn't that encouraging? That's, so, that's why the testimony is so powerful, and we want to just encourage you. If you have something like that, a God encounter, something where the Lord speaks to you, he gives you a word, maybe it's a word for you, maybe it's for somebody else that you gave them, and just encourage them and minister to them. We want to hear about it. We want you to do that publicly, and we've opened up this time for those kinds of things. So we hope to hear about miracles, healings, um, just God moving in mighty ways amongst us, and we hope that this builds your faith. Um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the prayer room. They're not in the back anymore, but uh, we want you to be following along, looking at the text with us. Uh, Pastor Bill is going to come and preach out of this text, and I'll read it for us here. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. We are in a series called A Pretty Decent Church, um, and we feel like we are a pretty decent church. Uh, we feel like that there's opportunity for us. Uh, we feel like that we are a church that's growing and that God is moving in and doing some, some wonderful things. Um, but we never want to get to the place where we think we're it, uh, that we're bigger and better and more than God, that we have more uh, of ourself in our eyes and heart than we do of God. Uh, we want to keep everything where it's supposed to be and in the right perspective. Um, and so we always want to be a pretty decent church. And there are markers that make us that. Um, and it just so happens that one of those markers fits so beautifully with Advent and with today, the Sunday before Christmas, and that is you and I, as God's people, need to be marked by joy. Now, as I started to sort of research joy, as I started to read other pastors' comments about joy, I actually got down. It was like, okay, everybody's telling us what joy is supposed to be, but that we really don't have it. Uh, that there is joy, but it's really hard to get it. Um, that joy uh, is for us, uh, but we, we don't exactly, like, live in it. Uh, and so it's almost like it's, it's, like, condemning us because we don't have something that we're supposed to have. Um, and maybe we do that. Maybe we, like, move away from joy, or maybe we misunderstand joy, or maybe we misappropriate things that we think are going to give us joy. There's a lot of reasons, possibly, why maybe we are not walking in a great joy as God's people. But let's do something about that. Let's, let's create a culture here in Life Church where we are marked by joy. 
All right? It is, an, it is a real part of us. And so I want to look at this passage in Luke just a few minutes with you and talk a little bit about that. But I also want to take you forward a little bit and talk about what Paul says to the church uh, in the New Testament. And I even want to like go way back over there in Isaiah's days and talk a little bit of what Isaiah, Isaiah says about all of this. So I'm going to be kind of like all over the place. Now, if I were to talk to you today about different times of America's history, and I, and I broke it out in like decades, and I gave you some major events, you might just be able to identify that particular era of time um, that I would be talking about, all right? Because there are a series of events that mark times and seasons of our lives. Um, the 60s, I grew up in the 60s. I uh, was one of those people who was in that sort of like proverbial kind of protest, uh, hippiedom kind of a place. Not proud of that, okay? Just letting you know, that's, that's where I was. So I was the long-haired hippie who was out there protesting uh, in front of administration buildings and, and all those kinds of things. But I remember the 60s. When someone says the 60s, I remember peace signs and long hair and bell-bottom jeans and all those kinds of things, all right? They're very retro for me. For some of you, they're very new, and you really get into those, and that's okay, all right? Um, but maybe, maybe you think about the 70s. The 70s were a time of a lot of, like, really political turmoil. I mean, there was a lot of... Politics was a, a big driving thing, and there was, like, a, a whole lot of... Uh, uh, apathy about the economy and that sort of stuff in the 70s. It was a tough time. It was, a, it was a, a really a time that was hard to like break out of, if you will, okay? And then there were the 80s and the whole Cold War thing, you know? And we were all concerned in the 80s and, and people had been building little holes in their backyard and, and, and buying generators and doing all kinds of things, you know, to try to take care of themselves when Russia invades, because surely Russia is going to invade. It's only a matter of days. For some people, it was a matter of hours, and there was fear, and everybody was gripped, and Russia never in invaded. And actually, the Cold War came to an end. And then there were the 90s, and war came. Our men and women died. The Gulf Wars were real. ISIS started to be birthed. Turmoil and fear gripped people. and Families were broken by war and torn by war. And our economy moved up, but everybody's hearts failed and went down. And as America, we began to lose our joy. And then we went into the 20-hundreds and the 2010s, and there we are now. And we have a nation that's ripped up. We have a nation that's divided. We have a nation that's fighting itself. We have a nation that's hurting deeply. And all of that is causing despair and agony. And I'm looking at some of you as I'm talking about this right now, and you're getting more sad and more sad as I'm talking to you. Folks, there is hope today, all right? We have a place where we find an unbelievable uh, joy that we can go to, all right? And, and the Bible speaks to this, and it says, for you, for you, all right, there is born 
that was in the city of David. It was a long time ago. But there is born for you a Savior. This isn't some abstract thing out there, but this is a reality. You have received a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All right? Yes, He was a baby. But in that time, a Savior was born to give you and I, regardless of the decade that we live in, regardless of the era that we are in, regardless of the personal circumstances that are going on in our own lives today, we can have a profound joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Not your own glory. If your joy is dependent on your own glory, of you doing something, or being something, or getting something, you are in a bad way. You and I are in a tough place. We're setting ourselves up for despair and agony and depression and all kinds of things, all right? There's songs been written about this. They're horrible. And most of them are country. <laughs> Just saying. But there is a joy that we can have that is not based on those circumstances. We don't have to look at circumstantial evidence and have someone say to me, are you, we, you, I, we have to be sad. We have to be down. We have to be in this terrible place. No, because we have been given a savior. Yes, a child. It says a sign will be given to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in Clothing, swaddling, cloth. Okay, let me tell you something. That baby is not your joy. And the baby didn't come to give you joy. The baby was given as a sign. It represented for us, for our visual impact, it represented that there was a son in heaven that has now been born in a natural, tangible way on this earth. But he is the son of God. You've not been given a baby. You've been given a son. A son's been given. But the truth is that son is given as a sacrifice. And you and I, if we stay baby we romanticize this whole thing of Christmas to the point that we lose what the true message is here. We've been given a Savior because we are sinners and we need to be saved. And we're going to die and go to hell if we do not have this Savior. Our end is bad if we don't know Jesus. Our end is utter destruction in some manner if we're not living for Christ. We need a Savior. We need an answer. We need a redemption. We need a hope. We need a sacrifice. And so a son is given. And yes, (laughs) hallelujah. Jesus said, watch these little ones. You can learn from them. They'll teach you some things. They're not thinking about all the things you're thinking about. They're not living in this heaviness that you and I are living in. I told David this morning, I've got to stop watching the news. I've just got to. It's a joy robber. It is a, it is a joy vampire, all right? It sucks the joy out of me when I start just focusing on what's going on around me. That's how powerful circumstances can be. Now, 
Let me take you over to Romans chapter 15. Take your Bible and turn there, all right? So we've been given a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, obviously, in Luke, the inference here is that this child was given to the Jews so that the Jews could be saved. And they, the angel came, the angels opened heaven, they all crowded out there on the hillsides, and they spoke to the shepherds first, but they spoke a message for all of us, all right? And it's been by the Spirit recorded in scriptures, and it is this, that you have been given good news of great joy. In other words, you need to be able to rejoice in this. What are we rejoicing in? Not a baby that has been born, but a son that will be given as a sacrifice. Look at Romans chapter 15. Go to verse 8. I tell you, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he says, this is what I want you to understand. I'm going to tell you this. Christ became a servant, all right? He became a son to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness. In other words, Jesus came to prove that God is not a liar. He is not a man that he would lie. In order to confirm the promises that were given to the patriarchs. In other words, those things that were said long ago in Isaiah, they are still true. They were true in Luke chapter 2. But you need to understand, they are just as true today for you. All right? Look at, he goes on and says, in order that the Gentiles, my friend, that's you and me, all right? In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. It's written. And, and, he, and he, he pulls back from, from scriptures in the past. He says, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing your name. And again, it said, rejoice, O Gentiles. Different translation. Take joy, O Gentiles, with his people. Gentiles, you and I, with the Jews, can rejoice. We can take joy in that God has given a son so that we can have eternal life. He goes on in verse 11 and says, again, in other words, I'm going to repeat this. This is special emphasis here, all right? I want you to get this, so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to, use another, I'm going to pull from another scripture. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all right? And let all the people extol him or praise him or give him honor and glory. And then in verse 12, he says it again, all right? This is the third time. In, in the writings of the scriptures, when something is repeated one, two, three times, it means you need to take extra special attention to this. You need to get it. You need to understand it. Let it sink into you. He says, and again, Isaiah says, going all the way back in, into the Old Testament, the root of Jesse will come. This son will be born, all right? Even he who arises grows up to rule the Gentiles, us. In him will the Gentiles despair, be depressed, give up. No, they will take hope. They will have hope, all right? And I love verse 13, and this is the blessing to you and I today that we need to receive with an open heart. May the God of hope, the hope that David preached to you about two Sundays ago, all right? May the God of hope fill you with what? All joy. All joy and peace in believing. By faith, we'll live out this joy so that 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Your hope and joy in this season is not predicated on your circumstances or your situation, what you get and don't get, what you have or haven't been given, or what has been taken away from you, or where you find yourself feeling or thinking, or where your emotions are landing, or any of these kinds of things. Your hope is in God alone and in nothing else. And that's where we have to go. That's where we have to land as God's people, as believers. We live in that place of great hope. And it comes, it's sourced out of the Holy Spirit. Unless you are walking in the Spirit, the fruit of joy is going to be evasive to your life. And this is the strategy that I'm trying to to, to put into play here, all right, If you are going after joy, don't go after joy based on circumstance. Go after a joy that is sourced out of God and His Holy Spirit. All right? You get to know the Holy Spirit. You have relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there in that place, you will find great joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And that's where God wants us to be. That's where God wants us to land, if you will. All right? Now, let me take you further back in the scriptures. Go back to this passage in Isaiah that I'm, I've been referencing. I, I said, you know, he's, he's really going way back there in Isaiah. All right, it's Isaiah chapter 9, and I want you to look at two verses, verses 6 and 7 for just a moment, all right? Isaiah speaks to the future. He, he prophesies, if you will, to this place that we are talking about today in Luke chapter 2. And he says, For us, O great patriarchs, O great nation of Hebrews, all right, I want to tell you something. And he lays it out very simply. He says, For to us, a child is born. A little, a little baby is born. But notice what he says. And a son to us is given. In other words, God's going to give his son. You'll, we'll receive a baby, but God will give his son on the cross to die for us. That's the, that's, the, that's the implication for us down the road. So we live, we live this, this all puts us in a we live in a now but not yet kind of place. Salvation has been given, but we have not received the fullness of this salvation yet. But it is coming because Jesus is coming. And that's how we we live. It says he will have a government, all right? He's the ultimate sacrifice, but he he will have a government. And he he will walk in this government, and it kind of lays out what this government's going to look like by the names that this baby, this son that is given, this Savior is called. He's a wonderful counselor. Some translations say a miraculous counselor. Like, he's above and beyond, all right? He's not, he's not like the guy that you sit across from and you talk and you chat and you process. No, this is a miraculous counselor who speaks life into us, who changes circumstances and situations. And when he doesn't change circumstances and situations, he changes us to live inside of those circumstances and those situations. He's a mighty God. He's in control. He's in charge. He decides it's not on you. It's not on me. He's an everlasting father. 
This son who was given will die, but he will live. Not only will he live again, but he'll live forever. He's coming again out of heaven where he went to when he was resurrected. And as he comes again, he comes for those who are in him, who know him, who love him. He's a prince of peace. That is a peace that will come. All right, we, we live in the now, but not yet. There's a peace that is going to come when Jesus returns and he establishes his kingdom. But there's a peace that you can live in that is internal. You can live inside of that peace now, even though it is not yet. You can live in it internally, in your mind and in your spirit and in your soul. You can be at peace regardless of what is going on around you. If joy was because... There are a number of writers, philosophers and such, who write, and they say things like this. Oh, there's four basic uh, means to happiness. Oh, there's five essentials to joy. All right? There's seven steps to you being at peace and all these kinds. And they list all of these things. And a lot of these things is like, oh, you have a job. Uh, you, you're able to have a relationship with someone on some intimate level. And they give you these different things, all right? Well, I'm telling you what. I, I've met people, especially in third world countries, I've met people who have great joy, all right? But they don't have a job. I've met people who have great joy, but their mothers and fathers have died of AIDS. I've met people who have great joy, but they don't even know who their daddy was ever and never saw him. I know people who have great joy, but they're not actually certain where next week their food is going to come from because they are dependent on a system to take care of them because there's no way they can get a job. But they have joy. What I'm telling you is that joy is not dependent on external circumstances. It's not dependent on those things that are going on or not going on around them, but they have a joy because they have a relationship with the son who was given to die for their sins, and they understand that they will live in that that is to come, which is the peace of God that is before them. They're looking for it. And so they live in it now because they already have it internally because they understand their identity as sons and daughters of God. And so they dwell there. They live in that place. And my friend, if you and I sit here in this first world life, and we know where our food is coming from, and we have jobs and we have families and relationships, even though they may be hard and they may be tough, we are living in this place of such prosperity. If we cannot find hope, if we do not celebrate the joy of God in this place, something is wrong with us, and we're not living in the place where we truly need to be, and the gospel is not powerful for us if our circumstances are going to dictate our joyfulness. And so we have to understand when this passage in Luke says, it's great news, great joy for all of you. There's a baby born, all right? Joy is not in a child. Don't any of you parents say amen, okay? <laughs> Please, all right? But joy is not in the birth of a child. It's not in, it's not in a baby. It, 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 never, it never will be, all right? Our kids sang it beautifully. They did all of the actions we all sang with them this morning. We do this. We sing. We proclaim. We talk about this, this whole thing that, that is but is not yet fully, all right? 
And we look, we look to that. We talk about it. We sing it. But my friend, are you living it day in and day out? Is, is it the message of your life? All right. When others are around you, when someone comes in and they've run out of gas and their cell phone has died and they screwed up a suicide attempt and they don't have hope, obviously, but they've been put here and it's obvious that some hand besides their own is guiding their life. What do you have to give to them? And words are not enough. But the witness and the testimony that God has put inside of you, that is what you bring. That is what you have to give. And if we have no hope and we have no joy, what have we to give to someone like that? I know this, is, this, is, this has convicted me. I'm, I'm preaching to you, honestly, out of a broken heart, a broken heart for my own condition. Because I know that there are times when I am I am not there. I, I, am, I am not in that place. But I want you to understand, if you don't get any takeaway from this today other than this, Christian joy is not based on circumstances. For a lot of us, suffering is when favorable circumstances are going away from us. That's, when, that's the only time we have joy. And the reality is that we need to understand that regardless of what I live in this life, this life is short. The days here are numbered, and they are short compared to eternity. And eternity is where I'm going. That's where I'm living. And the gospel has been given for me. Though I was a sinner, yet Jesus died for me. I live in that hope that Jesus is coming again. And because he died for me, I can have hope in him, and when he returns, I will be with him. Not only will I be with him, when I see him, I will be like him. I don't have my perfection now, neither do you. And we don't live in the place of perfection and perfection giving us the joy and the peace that we need. We live in the reality that we are imperfect and yet, by grace, God has already given His Son and looked through history and saw your imperfection and still died for you so that you could be redeemed. And so we live in that blessed hope that when He returns, we will see Him, we will know Him, we will be like Him. And so we, like Paul, can look at one another and say, hey, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you are believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can abound in hope. In other words, you can overflow. This is the tipping point, should be the tipping point for you and I. You be honest with yourself. Let's just, let's just look at the last, like, maybe couple of weeks. How many times... Has the prevailing tipping point been something that tipped you to anger? How many times has the prevailing tipping point been something that tipped you to uh, despair or to feel depressed? How many times has the tipping point for you been when someone else, like Pastor Bill, stood up and started talking about joy and hope and happiness? And you went right into yourself and realized you didn't have it. And so you got defensive or, or upset or unhappy about that. 
And in comparison, how many times in the last week has the tipping point, the prevailing tipping point been something said or done and joy just sparked and ignited and you just had something to, that, that started to pour out of you, just unspeakable and full of glory, a fountain of life, if you will, coming from you that was rolling over into somebody else's life. And they responded to you and said, I'm so glad I encountered you. You're just what I needed today. Be honest. Where are you living? Where, where is your life? And can God use you to speak hope? Can God use you to bring hope and relevance to other people in the kingdom of God? Can you be that kind of joyful blessing to others? I'm sure that Isaiah's audience, if you will, they listen to this prophet and they're like, they're, you know, they're just scratching their head. They hear these words and... and, and I'm sure they're wondering, like, well, when will this be? Like, like when is this going to happen, all right? When, when is this going to, to come to pass? And I get that and understand that for them. But what I'm saying is to you and I today, for us, we are living on this side of that message. We're living on this side of the coming of Christ. And, and as he came to die for you and I, and as he rose from the dead on the third day, all right, that should indeed make us joyful, all right? We can be joyful, not because our lives are perfect, not because we live a sinless life in some way, all right, but because we are sinners, because we need this, all right, because we can know and we can experience Experience that He is our righteousness and He has taken our place. My friend, the story for you was that you should have died for your sin and you should have been judged for your sin and you should have gone into eternal judgment. You should have, but you don't have to because He has died for you. And if that's going to just not resonate with you, I don't understand that. Because this is our, this gospel is our hope. All right? I, I understand. I'm not minimizing anything any of you are going through today. All right? I, I, I sat with Pastor Dave this morning, and, and I just re, we rehearsed a little bit about some things. And, and I just said, you know, 2018 has been a great year for Life Church. And it has. But a lot of you have gone through some of the most difficult things that you have ever gone through in your short history. It's been tough. And here's the thing. Just because it's Christmas and just because we're reminded that a baby was born and a Savior was given, it hasn't changed your circumstances. But yet everybody's singing songs about joy. And so we chime in, and, and, and we sing too. I came home the other day, and my wife was so excited. She and our grandson had been shopping. And, and so Landon wanted to put money in the Salvation Army bucket. 
And so they put some coins in there. And the, and the guy gave Landon the bell and let him ring it for a while. Now, I'm not overly fond of the guys and the gals and the buckets and, and the bells, all right? Like, I like to give the money, but, but like, that's just not a place where I, I don't like to go buy them for whatever reason, all right? I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> I don't like to walk by them, especially if, if they're really zealous. <laughs> you know, you know. And then I'm, I'm walking by them going, you know, uh, I don't like that. And as I do, they greet me. You have a very Merry Christmas, sir. And I'm like, shoot, I don't want you to tell me that. I don't want you to bless me. I'm not cooperating with you, so don't do that. You know? So I get all these hot coals heaped on my, my head through all of this. You know? But give that bell to an eight-year-old kid? Whoom, yeah, they're ready to go. Let's do it. You know? And so for a while, he's ringing the bell. It's great. It's great. He got into it. Just like we step into the songs and sing about joy. We sing them. And we put on our best joyful face when we sing them. The fact that my grandson rang that bell for a little while and he was happy doing it does not take away any of the circumstances in his life. Nothing's changed. He still doesn't have a daddy. He never hears his daddy say, I love you, or I want you. And he still asks the questions, where is my daddy? Why won't my daddy come and see me? Ringing the bell didn't change his circumstances. Singing the songs is not going to change your circumstances. You're still going to have those things that are adversities and difficulties and all of that kind of stuff in your life. In this life, we will have tribulation. But Jesus is alive. Sing the songs. Ring the bell. Put on the joy. Not in a hypocritical or fake way. But step into it. Embrace it. But understand it's not because my circumstances got better. It's not because something happened and I got what I wanted. It's not because I suddenly got my way and I can be happy. Now. No, it's because Jesus came. A baby was born. A son was given. A Savior died, was resurrected, sits at the right hand of the Father, and today is praying for you that joy unspeakable and full of glory would fill your life and give you all hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where you and I land in this Christmas season. And that's where we stay because that's where we're rooted and grounded. That's the bedrock, the foundation of what we do as believers. And that marks you and I. And it's not a holiday experience. It's a 365 days of the year kind of life that you and I are living. And it needs to be marked by this joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's where we will be a pretty decent church. And if you can do that, you'll have a pretty decent Christmas. It'll be all right. It'll be good. It'll be good. And when you go home, 
And over the next few days, you're, you're passing out those presents, and you're getting what you want and what you don't want. <laughs> and you're loving some people and tolerating others. <laughs> you know? And, and everybody's laughing and joking about something, and in the back of your head, you're still remembering that we've got this issue, and, and it's killing us. When all that kind of stuff is going on, don't look for something to fix you out there. Understand that Jesus has already done it all. He paid the price. And that's where you live is in the gospel, in the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to have a, a gospel presentation here, all right? And we're just going to embrace it today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. You've given everything. This gift that gets lost, this gift that gets placed in the shadows, God, bring it to life. Let it be the light that shines in the darkness. Let it, let it be that flashlight in the cave, God. Let it be that peace, Lord, that, 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 that positions us and, and stabilizes us, Lord, where we need to stand. And when we've done everything to stand, we stand in the name of Jesus. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you that you, God, can fill us with hope, Lord, a hope that will give us all joy and peace. Build our faith up, Lord. We believe, but help our unbelief so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, we can be filled and we can abound in the hope that is yours. Do this, Father, for every person in this room, regardless of circumstances and situations. Lord, let us put our eyes on Jesus and live in that light and that light alone for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right. Bill started us today um, around this passage of, of do not be afraid, the angels say, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. So friends, I'm so glad that you're all here today because you get to come and you got to hear this invitation, an invitation not to be afraid, uh, but an invitation to receive joy, joy that is lasting, joy that is eternal, joy that is so full. And that the question of how can we have this joy, uh, it's around a Christmas story that doesn't just talk about a virgin mother and a baby. But the Christmas story is really about the man Jesus who came as fully man and fully God. Yes. And he walked here and he made friends and he healed people and he forgave sins. And he also suffered and died on a cross that all of our sins would be forgiven. Amen. And by the power of our our God who comes to us, uh, he didn't stay dead, but rather he rose from the dead on the third day. And the power of that Holy Spirit was sent and is with us still, even as Jesus is with the Father, is praying on our behalf. Uh, our God is still with us, even as we wait for Jesus, the coming one, to come again. Our God is with us now, yes. working in us giving us joy, giving us hope. So I just, if, if it, for any of you this is that first time that 
you really receiving that message this morning, I invite you to come forward. Um, the prayer team will be coming up and come pray. Come and be prayed for. Uh, and if you're like me where it's like, you know, yeah, maybe this Advent season is one where I don't really want to wait, Jesus. I'd, I'd want to be in a place of, of anger, of despair, rather than of hope because, because I'd rather live in my flesh. Uh, come and receive Come and receive prayer. Come and receive community. Come and receive joy. For the God who loves you is with you today. Amen. I'll pray for you and then feel free to leave quietly or come forward for prayer. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Hear this and know that God is for you this morning, that he is with you, and his love abounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.